At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with celebrity photographer Jim Jordan. I'm very excited to be sharing this episode with you because Jim is very famous and he has so much experience that even surprised me while I was listening to him. So I'm sure that you're going to love listening to this episode. We talk about his beginnings as a photographer, how he got into the celebrity photography industry, tips for people who want to take better photos of models, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Jim. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Daya. Thank you for having me. My name is Jim Jordan. I'm a celebrity fashion lifestyle advertising photographer. My journey starts off in, you know, as a young kid, very creative. Um, I didn't know, really know what an artist was. I thought artists were painters that painted on canvas. 
I come from a family from the West Coast here in California. I grew up skating and surfing and have one brother and two sisters. My dad owned a, was an entrepreneur, owned a bunch of different restaurants, restaurants. He was in the oil business and owned restaurants and real estate and and that. And I grew up just very creative, like just always dancing and singing and trimming trees and cutting hair and removing furniture around the house and always trying to beautify everything I saw. And I was a young kid and I had a a really good friend of mine in school and she went shopping in Beverly Hills with her mom one weekend and came back to school on Monday and said that she was scouted by a man named John Casablanca that he owned the elite model management in New York and all the big supermodels back in the 80s, Cindy Crawford and, and all Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington. He discovered my friend Tina. She was like a 5'10", Dutch, blonde, gorgeous girl. And I never even thought about, knew anything about how to get into modeling or any of that world. And so the next thing I know, she was telling me that he wants me to come to New York So she was my best friend. We hung out every day. And the next thing I know, two weeks later, my best friend was gone. And I was like, that's crazy. A man could come up to somebody beautiful, take them, give them a business card and take them to New York and make them a supermodel. That's like the coolest concept I've ever heard of in my life. And when I was a kid, I was cutting hair and cutting anything that had hair, cutting trees, bonsai trees, every any tree I could see that needed to be beautified or manicured or just manipulated to give it some shape and form and make it look beautiful for a camera. I was really good at that, not even knowing what I was doing. So I was like, why don't I get a business card? That man has the coolest job on earth. Why don't I get a business card? And put my name on it and go to all the schools and find girls that I think would be models and guys and take their picture. So I got a business card. I put my mom's name on the, you know, my mom's phone number because I didn't have cell phones back then. And I would skateboard and hitchhike to all the schools in the valley, like Calabasas, Canoga, Woodland Hills, Hollywood, North Hollywood, Chatsworth. And I would go to all the schools and find and I'd go in at the lunch break or nutrition breaks at those schools. I ditched school. I was terrible at school. I got the worst grades. I was always ditching school. I was a little hippie stoner, smoking weed all the time and just skating and just so preoccupied with what I saw instead of like book learning and English. And I just couldn't care less about any of that. And I went and went into those schools and found girls that I thought could be models, give them my business card, have them tell their mom and dad to call me, and that I was a model scout, literally going, just running, going for it. And I'd get some of these kids' moms to call me, and I'd say, come over, and I want to take pictures of your kid to bring to model agencies. So I had my next-door neighbor. His name was Greg Glassman. He's the founder of, of CrossFit, fitness chain now. And he had a camera. He was five years older than me. He's the only person I knew that had a camera. And I'd ask him, you got to do me a favor. I have this girl coming over. I'm going to, with her mom, she said, I'm going to do her makeup and hair and transform her. And we're going to take pictures of her, document her. And then I'm going to bring those pictures into Hollywood to agencies, model agencies. And so I started doing that. Five, six, seven, ten models came 
over like a month period of time. And I would bring, have the models bomb, drive me to Hollywood with the mother to do a meeting with the modeling agency with Elite and Ford models at the time. And they were signing every girl I'd bring. And they're like, this is crazy. You're so young. How are you doing this? Where are you finding these kids? And I'm like, just skateboarding to the schools and hitchhiking and going and looking and scouring these schools. I would go to surf contests, volleyball tournaments, anywhere I could go where there were groups of people to scout models. And so I was on a roll doing that. And then my next door neighbor finally came to me and he said, look, I'm sick of doing this for you. I thought I was doing a one-time favor. And here I am like 20, 30 models knocking at my door with their mothers staring at me. I'm not into this. Like I'm giving you my camera. And I was like, dude, are you kidding me? I don't know how to take pictures. I'm scared. I'm not technical. I don't know how to use this thing. And he was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm giving you the camera. You can take it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm cutting you off. Stop bringing people to my house. I'm not doing it. Either you take this camera. And I was like, literally like crying. Like, dude, buddy, you're my best friend. We're in this together. He goes, no, you're in this. I'm not into it. I did it to help you first. But now it's like, you're giving me a full-time job. Like, this is nuts. And I gave me the camera. He handed it to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to use it. I was crying. Like, bro, please, I don't want it. Like, it's yours. And he's like, grab me around the neck. He goes, get over here. And he goes, this is how you use it. You pop open the side pouch. The back will open. You put in the roll of film. And he was sticking in a roll. Plug the thing. Stretch it over. Stick it in the groove. Click it and wind it till it engages. Shut the back of the camera. That's how you load it. And put it on P, program. You don't have to do anything. The camera will do everything for you. And I'm like, I don't want it. I'm afraid of it. And he ran over and he grabbed his tripod from the corner of his bedroom. And he was all mad. He's like putting it on the tripod. He's like, here, take it. You don't even need to effing hold it anymore. Just put it on the thing. And I was like, wow, you're serious? Like, I don't. Uh, I just was crushed. I just thought this whole thing, I was finally getting my groove on was stopped. So I walked home like in tears, like, oh my God, I'm so scared to do this. And he, I walked home with the tripod in my hand and the camera attached to it. I was like, you know what? Just try. And as scared of those voices in my head, just kept telling me, you're going to fail. You're not technical. You don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot. And all the voices that tried to stop me in my tracks. And I just, you know, walked through those voices and I, you know, called more mock girls and I made them come to my mom's garage now instead of my friend's house. And I had a white window seal, the blind that you pull down in front of the window on a window, those white blinds that spin up. I got a really big long when I got my ping pong table and I turned my ping pong table on one side. I lifted one side up. And then I put the backdrop over the back of the ping pong table and the bottom. And I'd get the models to get up on the ping pong table. So I had like a little teeny mini, mini cove, like a psych wall. And I'd lay the models up there. I'd open my garage door so all the natural light came in, the diffused light. And I would just shoot. 
But now I was doing the makeup, I was doing the hair, and now I was taking the pictures. And I was on a roll and I did that. I shot like 50 models. I was going crazy scouting and I was learning so much and like, whoa, I could do this. And I was making mistakes. I was shooting rolls of black and white Tri-X at the time, 400 speed black and white film. And I was doing 36 exposures was one roll. And I'd shoot like two rolls of film per model. And then I'd take those contact sheets, proof sheets, contact sheets is what they used to call them. And then I'd take them to Hollywood. And then the models were all getting signed and they were all being sent off to Paris and Milan. And they're like, after like the fifth model I brought in there and they got contracts, they were like, we want to help you. Why are you doing this? You're bringing so many great people to us. How are you have the best eye? You're so young. Like I was in eighth grade. And they're like, you have an incredible eye. This is crazy. You're doing this. You're so motivated. And your pictures are beautiful. And who's doing the hair and makeup and all this? I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing all of it. They're like, you have a really amazing eye. You should get an agent to represent you doing hair and makeup. And I'm like, what's a hair and makeup agency? Like, I didn't do hair and makeup because I ever wanted to even be a hair and makeup person. I was just doing makeup and hair just for these photos. to Like I was trimming a tree to get its picture taken. I was just doing the makeup and the hair and everything just to be able to take its picture. I was never thinking I'm going to do makeup and hair. So I was, they were like, you should get an agency to represent you doing hair and makeup. And I was like, what is an agency that, that represents hair and makeup people? And they're like, it's they're, these agencies represent the best hair and makeup people in the world, like Madonna and all the biggest movie stars call these agencies to get their makeup and hair. They don't go to salons. Photographer, fashion photographers call these hair and makeup agencies. You should go meet them and start building your portfolio to get with an agency doing hair and makeup. Long story short, a lot had happened in my personal life at that time, and I never wanted to be a hairdresser. I was only bullied enough as a kid, and I was always just like, I just didn't know where I fit in in life. And I was had some really tragic bullying. And the last thing I wanted to come around like, oh, I'm a hairdresser and making it even more crazy for me and more turmoil. You know, my mom and my parents weren't really into me doing diving into that world. I think they wanted me to be more in the inner restaurant business. Being an artist was a, a dream and you can never make a living. Being an artist was all what I how I kind of was raised to know and and just doing hair and makeup was just not something at all my family could get approval to do. So I ended up, you know, doing a lot of crazy things and I was taken away out of school by this crazy serial killer and I was taken away for a year and a half. And I went on this crazy journey with this man and I my whole world stopped. And so what I, that's a whole nother story, another book, another movie, and a, something really tragic that shaped me who I am today. And I was taken away to do a lot of crazy things. And I ran away from that situation. And I ended up buying a one, stealing my brother's identification and getting a passport with my brother's name, with my photo. And I bought a one-way ticket to Milan thinking because that's where all the models I was finding were being sent. 
So I thought if I could just get out of this situation and run away, because I was running away from my life because I wasn't going to live. And I bought a one-way ticket to escape that situation. And I like, where could I go to hide? And I bought a one-way ticket to Milan. I lived in the park for six months. And I thought when I get off the plane in Milan, it's going to be like Disneyland. Models everywhere and lights and cameras and fashion shows and everything's going to be glamorous. And I got off. It was in January and it was in the middle of winter and I couldn't skateboard. I brought my skateboard and it was cobblestone streets everywhere. And I was stuck at the airport at uh, two weeks before my 16th birthday. And I was in a country that I didn't speak the language in the middle of winter. And I was like, when I had ended up living in the park and I went on my journey. And that at that time, I was like shook, like awoken to the reality that it's not the necessary, the fantasy in our heads of what things are going to look like. But I hope for those things. Months into my journey being there, I didn't see any models or connect with anyone I knew. There were no cell phones. I had no idea where the model agents or any agents were. And I was just hanging out with the people in the park, the rugby players and just the people that came in and out of the park. I was smoking hash every day and smoking weed. And I was just finding my way through the streets, going to the nightclubs and getting crazy, doing whatever I could just to survive. And I, months into my stay there, I met some models in a coffee shop, these Russian girls. And I went up to them and I was like, hey, are you guys models? And they're like, yeah. We're like, where are you from? They were Russian girls. And they were from Moscow. And they were like, yeah, we're models. I'm like, where are the model agencies here? And they were like, oh, just down the street. And they got me to show me, draw me a map where, and the names. And there were two agencies Long story short, I went into the agency and I had my black and white contacts with me that I had been shooting in California. And I had like 20, 30 contact sheets of different models that I was doing, finding, discovering, doing makeup and hair and taking the photos. And I went in and I talked to the receptionist. She didn't speak any English. And I was like, hi, I need help. And this man came out. He was the owner of the agency. His name was Luigi. And the agency was called Fashion Models and one of the biggest agents in Milan. And I had a blonde ponytail. I was like super young, like just this surf kid from California. And I said to him, he came in, he goes, Zamora, how are you? Do you speak Italian? I'm like, I don't speak any Italian. And he started speaking English. Where are you from? I'm from California. What can I do? How can I help you? And I said, I'm, I'm from California. My name's Jim. And I've been studying models at all the schools in California. And I've been doing their hair and makeup and taking pictures of them. And I wanted to come here to Milan to see, you know, I thought this might be a place for me that I could start doing something. I need help. I'm living in the park. And I've been living in the park for five months. And I don't know anyone here. And I want help. I need help. And I was like, I'm crying. I'm like, just... I'm just lonely and lost, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, and I need help. And he was like, oh, you're such a nice guy, like so nice. And he just, that was a turning point, like my life changed. And he put his arm around me, and he was like, I'll help you. 
He goes, you come in in the morning at 10 o'clock in the mornings. He goes, why don't you do makeup and hair? Your pictures are beautiful and the kids you're finding are beautiful. Why didn't you give these kids to me? And I was like, I didn't know you. And he goes, well, you've got an incredible eye and your pictures are beautiful. Then the makeup and the hair, why don't you do makeup and hair for the photographers here in Milan and for the magazines? And you can learn photography by working on set. And I can make calls for you to meet photographers here in magazines. I'll call for you. So come in in the mornings at 10 o'clock. I'll meet you. We'll have a coffee and I'll make phone calls and make you in meetings. And you go on your day and go meet them and show them these pictures. And I was like, really? Or do you think I could do it? And the voices in my head again were like, wait, do you even know what you're doing? You don't even have makeup and hair with you. Like, how are you going to... Just all the voices in my head, like all of the voices that we all have, were like, you don't have any makeup with you. You don't even own stuff. You don't even have a blow dryer. You don't even have scissors. He's like, it doesn't matter. Just go meet these people. So he met me, introduced me, and sent me on a couple of photographers. And like the third day of meetings, he sent me to a place called Montadori. It's like, you need to get on a bus and you need to, and he gave me bus money. And it takes you an hour out of the city into the country. And it's like Condé Nast. It's called Montadori. And that's Harper's Bazaar and Vogue and Grazia and Centicose. And all the magazines are in one building. So I leave Milan on this bus. And I'm like, no idea where I'm going. And it goes out through the vineyards and out into the countryside. And I'm like, I feel so good just being on this bus out of the park, like somewhere. And it was beautiful, never got to see anywhere in the city, just walking anywhere. But I was like driving into the countryside and in the distance, it was a big glass, beautiful building, architectural masterpiece with water fountains around it. And I was going to this building. I'm like, wait, what is this? And I pull up to this huge building and it was Montadori. And I went in and got in line. Everyone on that bus was going into that building. And you had to wait in line and they took a photo of you and you had a security badge and it was top security. And I was like, what is this? And I was going to meet a magazine called Grazia. I'm like, what's Grazia? But I'd see the magazine all over the city on the magazine stands, billboards of the magazine. So they were like, you're going to meet the editor of Grazia. So I'm like, hi, my gym is my ID my passport to get in. And then I went to my meeting at Grazia office and this man interviewed me and he's like, hi, how are you? I said, I'm working with Luigi, a fashion model. I'm from California. I'm doing makeup and hair and I've been scouting models and here are some of my pictures. And he starts looking at my contact sheets. Normal people would look at a big portfolio with magazine covers and I'm just handing him these black and white contact sheets that I was shooting in California. And this woman interrupts our meeting and comes in and she's speaking Italian, bah, 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 all worried, like something's going on. So he starts pointing to me and talking to her. And he stops, he goes, excuse me, can you go to work now? And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't. And he goes, the make, she's telling me the makeup artist and hairdresser didn't, hasn't shown up. It's over an hour. And we have a model upstairs in the studio waiting with the whole set up there. And we, since you're here, can you just go work now? And I was like, 
I don't have any makeup or hair or anything. And he goes, it doesn't matter. We have everything upstairs. So he goes, go with her. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. I'm so scared. So I go upstairs and the studio's unbelievable. Like Vogue's downstairs, bizarre, like 30 magazines around the first floor. And upstairs are all their studios. So there's like 30 photo studios upstairs, all separated by big black curtains. And it was like expensive, like really high end. I was like, so they take me into the studio and I go in the makeup room and there's a beautifulest girl sitting in the chair from Canada, spoken to shit, short boy, short hair. Her name is Pam Pfeiffer. And I met her and I'm like, hey, I'm Jim. She goes, you're doing the makeup and hair. They're freaking out. The hair and makeup people didn't show up. And they're like, she's like, I'm so glad like we could do this. So all the makeup was right there on the counter. Everything, brushes, blow dry, everything was there. And I'm like, the photographer comes in, he meets me, he shows me his mood board. He's like, this is what we're doing. I want to make it very natural. It's a spring issue. So just leave it up to what you want to do. I like very simple, natural. So I did her makeup and hair, boom. And then I got my first cover for Grazia. And it was a 10-page story, fashion story inside. That was my break as a makeup artist doing makeup and hair. Long story short, I spent three years in Europe. From then, I spent three years till I was 19. And I started working after that with Grazia all the time, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, Centicose, tons of magazines. And I started working. I moved out of the park. I got a pension. I started making money. And I started traveling, going all around Europe to Paris and doing bookings jobs. And I was working for photographers every day. I was on set with different photographers, watching them. At 19, I came back to L.A. I ended up going to a hair and makeup agency that represented the hair and makeup people that the elite models told me about mid three years prior. And I went and I showed them my portfolio and I had like 19 magazine covers for all different photographers. I had 70 pages of beautiful fashion stories inside. And I was like, that's crazy. And they ended up signing me. A week later, they called me and they said, you're doing Heather Locklear's hair and makeup for the cover of Red Book with Bert Stern. And I was like, I looked up Bert Stern on, yeah, I did there back then there wasn't even internet. I was like, who's Bert Stern? They're like, he's the photographer that shot Marilyn Monroe's last photos. So I was like, wow, this guy's like a big deal. And she's Marilyn Monroe. So I ended up doing Heather Locklear. And at the time she was one of the biggest TV stars ever. Like she was huge. And so I did a cover of Red Book. And then from there, I started every job I started getting. It was with movie stars. I was doing Heather Locklear, Nicolas Cage and Jeff Bridges and um, Molly Ringwald. She was doing Breakfast Club at the time. And and then I was doing Trevor Fawcett. And I just started becoming like this celebrity makeup artist guy because all the clients were like movie stars. Because I was in L.A., I was doing Farrah Fawcett. And then they brought me to Elizabeth Taylor. And I was doing Elizabeth Taylor's makeup. And, and then I had a flashback of when I was a kid. I was all, my mom thought I was crazy and always tried to take me to the doctors and put me on medicine and try to calm me down. She's like, you're hyperactive. And they were always taking me to therapist. And I remember being in a room in a doctor's office waiting for my 
doctor's appointment. And I was looking at coloring in all the coloring books and stuff. I was probably five, four or five. And I remember looking through all the stack of magazine. There was a picture of Elizabeth Taylor on a magazine cover. And she had all these rhinestones on her forehead and diamonds on her face. And it was like, I think she was doing the movie Cleopatra at the time. And I saw these pictures of her made up like Cleopatra. I forget what it was, Look Magazine or Time Magazine. And I was staring at it like, that's unreal. Like that, I was so in awe of like just the artistic of how beautiful. And I heard a voice say to me, you're going to be doing that on every movie star in Hollywood. When I was little, like little, little, I heard that voice say that to me. I had no idea what it meant. I didn't think of any, it was just like a passing thought. And all of the stuff happened. I ended up going to Europe. I didn't even know I was going to do makeup and hair, really. I kind of fell into it at a desperation. And I ended up in L.A. and got a call to go do Elizabeth Taylor's hair with Helen Newton. And I went to her house, knocked at her door, and she opened the door with a white towel on her hair out of the shower in a white robe. And brought me into her house and offered me tea and was like, felt like my mom. And at that time, I remembered that flashback of seeing that magazine cover of her telling me I was going to do every movie star in Hollywood's makeup and hair. And I was like, whoa. Like, if there's not God or something bigger than me, like, there's something going on here. And I went and I did work with Helen Newton and I started just flying through the in this business, doing the makeup and hair and working with Herb Ritz and Helen Newton and Patrick Demarchier. And, and then I started going back and forth to New York, L.A. And then I was doing the New York like Vogue's and Harper's Bazaar and worked with Naomi Campbell and Tatiana Petit and Cindy Crawford and doing all the big catalogs for Bloomingdale's and J. Crew, and working with thousands of photographers and watching them and not necessarily ever thinking I could be a photographer, but I was taking pictures with my little camera, my next door neighbor in my backpack on all these jobs I'd go on. I'd work with Farrah Fawcett all day, bring Walker, carry her bags to her car while she was leaving. And I kept saying, I want to take pictures of her, just get a few frames of her. So I'd say, fair, before you leave, can I take a couple pictures of you? So every job I did, most of the jobs like Cindy Crawford and different jobs I would do, I would take my camera out at the end of the day and sneak a couple pictures. And back then, the photographers were super competitive. If they even knew I had a camera at that time taking pictures of their talent, they would never book me ever again. So it was very on the down though. It wasn't like now everyone's got a camera and everyone's sharing. It's not like that back when I started. It was very competitive. If you even asked a photographer too many questions, they'd be like, why do you want to know? Like what? That's my secret. That's And it was very protected and guarded. And that's why now as, an, as a photographer, I just want to give everything to people, give them all the tools they can have and mentor everyone. And so I would take these pictures and I started collecting these pictures that I was taking of these models on the side and these movie stars. And I'd take little couple frames and I'd make an 11 by 14, put them in a black box. 
And I had about box like this big full of 11 by 14 ports of Nicolas Cage and Farah and Naomi Campbell and Cindy, Tatiana Petites, tons of jobs and travel photos and different places I went. I was just documenting my journey and my life and never told anyone. I never shared the pictures with anyone. I never told anybody. I never thought I could be a photographer, even though I'd be on set and I'd be so frustrated so many days working with photographers that didn't know how to talk to the model. They didn't know how to communicate. They didn't know what they wanted. They didn't have a vision of what they wanted. And it was just like me standing on the side, doing this girl's makeup and hair for hours, getting to know her, being best friends and having the best communication all day. And then the photographer would come out and not even talk to her prior to shooting her. And then all of a sudden the model's on set and they're like, okay, go. And there's no rapport with the photographer. There's no relationship. There's no introduction. There's no storyboard presentation. There's nothing. And so the model's on scene. She's looking at me because we're friends. And she's like, like, do my thing. Like, this sucks. Like, it's not fun. The energy wasn't right. And then the photographers I'd work with, like her Brits, he was so different. Come in the makeup room, hang out with the model, have jokes, have a rapport, have a, a mood board, have a storyboard, have ideas. Like, this is what we're going to do today. These are my ideas that how I see this, how I want your hair. And he would talk. And these big photographers knew exactly what they wanted. They knew what the hair wanted to be. They wanted knew what the lips would look like. They had the vision in their head. And I was like, whoa. So I did this for 19, 15 to 19 years. I did hair and makeup for photographers every day. I would be on the J. Crew photo shoots, on all the J. Crew shoots for seven years. I did almost every trip they did. And Emily, the owner of J. Crew, I'd cut everyone's hair on set. I was like, cut everyone's hair all the time, and even the client's hair. And I cut Emily's hair, I'd go to her house. You know, we became really good friends after years. And they'd always take me on these trips and go to Hawaii and the Maldives and all these amazing locations. And they'd hire the most expensive photographers from all around the world, from Paris and Japan. And they'd fly in. And the crew, they always had a very solid crew. And the crew was always the same people. Like they always booked me for makeup and hair, but they used different photographers. But a lot of the photographers would come, they didn't really know them, but their books were beautiful. And they'd hire these photographers and some of the photographers just didn't connect. One, this woman from Japan wore white gloves and a big hat and she didn't really talk. You could barely hear her. So she didn't know how to like connect the, the models and it was she wasn't that kind of a photographer to be out in the will and the surf and waves and surfing. So they always were like asking me to stand next to the photographer and direct the shoots. So I was like the guy on the shoots for J. Crew as basically becoming the art director. So we did another trip. We were in Hawaii and all the models that they always booked were my friend. I knew all the models. They'd always recycle the models the same ones. They were like their staple models that sold so many clothes. And we'd go skinny dipping at night and drinking and dancing every night. Go 6 a.m., wake up to the motorhome and go back to work. Go out every night, party, hang out. And we just had the best like family unity. And 
the owner, Emily, said to me, JJ, will you stand next to the photographer and do, you know, wrangle the shoot? Like, get this going. It's not happening. I don't like this. Photographer doesn't know how to get, get anything out of anyone. So Anthony Crane, I love this guy to death, was a huge model, one of my dearest friends still. He looked at Emily and he said, why do you always hire him to do hair and makeup and you have him art direct all your shoots? Why don't you just have him shoot for you? And Emily looks at him and goes, he doesn't shoot. And Anthony said to me, yeah, he does shoot. And he's unbelievable. And he doesn't tell anybody. And I looked at I looked at Anthony like I was going to kill him. I'm like, like, he just outed me. I'm like, what do you? And Emily turned to me and she goes, wait a minute. You take pictures and you've never told me? And I'm like, I don't take, I just take pictures to document my life. I don't take pictures like I'm trying to be a photographer. She goes, well, I want to see your portfolio. I go, I don't have a portfolio. She goes, well, what's he talking about? And I says, all I have are pictures of my life, like journey, people and places and things, people I meet along my way. She goes, well, all I have is a black box of pictures. It's just pictures thrown in a box. She goes, well, I want to see it. I'm like, I can't show you. And she goes, what are you talking about? I want to see your pictures. I'm like, I don't want to show you my pictures because I don't want to be like judged or compared or I'm not taking pictures to show people. That's like my journal, my diary. I was really defensive and I was really like guarding it. Like, no. And the more I said, no, the more she was like, we want to see it. You've been hiding and lying and sneaking, whatever. And I'm like, no. And she goes, she goes, I'll tell you what, you're coming to New York in two weeks after this Hawaii job. I have you on hold. And I want to see this black box of pictures. And if you don't show me, I'll never book you again. And I'm like, and they were a huge client of mine. I do like 15 days a, a, a month for J. Group. And I'm like, are you joking? I go, you're going to pull that card. Are you joking? She goes, that's how serious I am. Two weeks later, I go to New York. I smoke a bunch of weed in the morning, get on my skateboard, my backpack, and I skateboard uptown to the corporate office at J. Crew. Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. So I go to J. Crew, and I am so nervous and just so scared to just show them my pictures. Just because they know all the biggest photographers ever. They look at portfolios every day from every photo rep in New York and Paris. Everyone's sending them their book, their photography portfolio. So she sees everything. She's seen everyone. This likes like a queen in the business of an owner of a J. Crew. So I go there and they go escort. The security brings me into the conference room and there's like 30 chairs around this huge table and Emily comes out and she gives me a hug she's like guys come on she's yelling to all the cubicles 
Jim Jordan's here. He's here to show us his photographs. And they're like, we and all the art directors were there knew me, like 12 of them that I worked with all of them. And they're like, what? His photographs? He's te- what? He has photos? And she's like, yeah, he's been taking pictures for years and he hasn't told any of us. So I, they all come in the room. I hugs, hugs, hi, hi. And I had this black amber box and I threw it on the desk, on the table, and they all gathered around and I walked away and I stood by the door with my back to them. I didn't want to see their faces when they opened the box. And so they start opening the box and all the first pictures were like 10 photos, 11 by 14. When I lived in the park, it was these rugby players and they were all in the rain. And I was shooting in the rain all the time. It was muggy and cold. And I shot these black and white photos and I had all their shirts off wrapped around their heads and their mallets and I had mud on their bodies. And it was just portraits of all these Italian rugby players, like arms around each other and single portraits of them, like old classic vintage black and white pictures. And it was like group shots and them playing mud splashing. And it was like really like real, like documentary type photos and then portraits. And then there were pictures of like Tatiana Petitz and Naomi Campbell and Cindy Fair Fawcett, Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell, Nicolas Cage, and then fashion pictures of models and they were like, I could hear them being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They were like, oh, my God. We can't believe you're hiding this jacket. And they're like, how did you meet? They were asking how I met all these movie stars because I never talked about who I worked with and where I went. When I was on jobs, it was all about them. I was in like, oh, I worked with Elizabeth Taylor. And I when Helmet knew, I was never like name dropping. And I still am not like that. I'm in this interview, so I'm asked to share my life. So I'm sharing my journey, but I was never like that. So they were really surprised when they saw all these mega stars from Hollywood in my photographs. And so Emily turned to me and looked at me and she said, this is insane. This is crazy insane that you have these photos. You, Jay, we want you to do this for us. And she pulled all the rugby pictures out. She goes, we want you to do this for us. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, we want you to come into the, into the warehouse and pull whatever clothes you want for a rugby. And we're going to take you to Connecticut and bring whatever models you want to book. Bring like 10 guys. You can book all your friends. And we'll go to Connecticut and you just shoot. We're going to just turn you loose. And I'm like, I don't even have a camera like with a winder on it. It's just a click and I have to wind it. Like, she's like, Jay, whatever you're doing, this is what we want you to do. So I'm like, God, like, okay. So I left there like so scared and like, like it was really easy was I was had didn't have pressure or people watching me or telling me what they wanted. I could just create whatever I wanted. So now it was like, whoa. So they come and they pick me up in a limousine at my apartment in New York. And I have all the models in the car and I got my friend Rose with me and she's like in high heels and she's going to be my assistant to hold things when I'm doing the hair and I'm I'm doing the makeup and the hair and I got my water bottle, my comb, my gel, 
I got my slogan for the skin. I got my little camera without a winder. I got like a whole bag. They gave me a whole bag of film, like 200 rolls of film in a bag. And I'm like, and a round reflector. And I'm like, Rose, hold the reflector. And she's in her hot three-inch stilettos and her skirt. And she has Mia. She has no idea. I just did not. She's like, just go be you. So I end up shooting all these pictures. And then nothing happened. And then a few days later, they called me and they're like, we're going back to Hawaii and we want to bring you. And we're there for 10 days. And we want to hire you as a second unit photographer, meaning we're hiring Veronica Sims to shoot all of our major stuff. But you can shoot anything you want. Put guys in bikini. Like, we don't care. Just be style everything. You just be you. You're going to do the makeup and hair. We're paying you to do that. But any end up, end up we're going to give you all the film you want to shoot. But you need to do the makeup and hair. That's why you're first going. But you can shoot on the side. So I go to Hawaii. We're on the beach. And I'm makeup and hair. And I'm like so dying to shoot. I'm just now I'm like revved up. And all the models are like, dude, come on, let's go shoot. The models are like egging me on. Like, we want to shoot with you, Jay. Let's go. Because all my friends knew the whole story. And they were all like egging me on. Like, let's go, JJ. Like, it's time. This is your time. And they were like just so wanting to collaborate with me and like make me shine. So I'm shooting and I'm on the beach running around in the sand like go on dive through the kiss her and I was like pick her up and spin her around and I was like kiss her and I like kissing and the whole crew over there with Veronica were all watching me shooting and watching how much more fun my shoot was and they're over there boring they can't even hear Veronica talking and it's just mellow quiet sleepy set and I'm like a hurricane on the beach, like chase me. And I'm running backwards as fast as I can shooting. And then they're all ch- 10 models like chasing each other, hugging, jumping on backs. Like, and I'm like, I'm just mania, crazy shooting. So I ended up shooting like 1800 rolls of film on that trip. And I get back to New York and we're skinny dipping at night and we're just partying at night, having the best trip ever funnest trip ever and I get back to New York and a few days later like a week and a half later Jay Crew calls me and they're like we need to see you in the corporate office and I'm like like I thought I was in trouble or something like all the trouble we were causing in Hawaii after hours and stuff so they call me they had like a serious voice so I go up, I skate uptown, I go into the office and I walk in the in the conference room and on the wall in front of me were all the pictures from our Hawaii trip. And they were all Xerox copies, like they were like Xerox copies of layouts and they were all thumbtack on the whole wall. And I was looking and Jay Cruz said when they took me to Hawaii, we want you to do the hair and makeup and we're going to pay you your day rate. And at that time, my day rate was that this was in the early 90s, like 750 a day for hair and makeup. And they're like, we'll pay you 250 per image on any picture we end up using in Hawaii. When, but we're going to let you shoot whatever you want. 
So I'm like, they're going to pay me 250 an image. So I'm going to do really good. I want to do a good job. So I'm there getting paid, doing makeup and hair. So I'm shooting as much. So I shot 1800 rolls. A week and a half later, they call me and they're like, we need you to come in. We need to see you in the office. And I'm like, oh, my pictures are terrible. Something happened. The film didn't come out right. I made a mistake. I overrate. I don't know what happened. I'm just scared. So I walk in the room and all the art directors are up against the wall pointing and talking and they're making notes and drawing with red pens on some of the pictures. And and they're all looking. I walk in. They're like, hi, Jake. Hi. Hey. And I'm looking at the pictures and I'm like, oh, my God, look how good Lucinda looks. That's amazing. And it's all the photographer, other photographers' pictures, none of mine. And I'm looking for mine. There's hundreds of pictures on the wall. And I'm looking for... There are little pictures, big eight by tens, there's little five by sevens, thumbtack, and I'm looking and I don't see any of my pictures. And I'm like, shit. And I'm just like, wow, look how pretty she, look at that. I love that. And I'm like, I love that. That's amazing. Just being all like I am, you know, seeing the beauty. And they're like, well, what about yours? And I go, I don't see any of my pictures. And they're like, you didn't see your pictures? They're like, turn around. And I turn around and I look on the back wall because I walked in the door and all I saw was them looking at, and I turned around and all my pictures were on the whole wall from the ceiling to the floor, hundreds. And I was like, shock, like shook, like tears welling in my eyes, like, oh my God. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. And I was trying to count them because I remember they were like 250 an image. And I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like I couldn't even count them. Like I lost count. I was like, oh my God. And Emily was standing there. She put her arm around me. She's like, do you see? Do you see what we see in you? And I was like, ah, like, thanks. Thanks. And she was like, it's time you lay down your brushes and really step into who you're called to be. And I was like, I can't. She's like, what are you talking about? I go, I can't. I go, I have a house. I have cars. I have a life. I have clients. I have photographers that work with me. I have a life. I can never step in those lanes and try to compete with these major photographers. I don't even really know what I'm doing. 
I don't know how to plug in a power pack and use a light meter and a strobe and all of that. I don't even know how to use a winder. I don't even really know how to do any of this. I'm just looking and I'm just winging this shit. And she goes, it doesn't matter. So she goes, we want you to go meet agents in New York. And I go, no, I can't. If photographers that I'm working with find out I'm taking pictures, like I'm done. I'm going to go broke. I'll lose my house. And all my clients that love me, Whitney Houston books me for everything. I'm doing all these major movie stars. And I have a really good network behind me and what I've worked really hard for forever. And she was trying to talk me into it. I'm trying to talk her out of it. And the voices in my head kept talking more. The voices talk to me and I repeat what the voices are saying. I'm not, you're not technical, JJ. And I'd say, I'm not technical. The voices would say, you're going to lose your house and fail and go bankrupt. And I'd say, I'm going to lose my house and go bankrupt. I'm not. And the voices would say, how could you get in a lane with her Brits and all these major photographers that you work with every day that have millions of dollars that travel the world that they're like, le- they're like legends and you're going to try to step out there and let them know you're trying to get in their lane. And I'd say, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't compete with these people. And Emily says, oh, you could tell me all day long what you want to tell me, but I'm looking at your photos. I'm looking at your composition. I'm looking at your lighting. And I'm telling you, you need to get an agent to represent you doing photography. You're amazing. And it's time you lay down your makeup and hairbrushes and take this serious. So I'm like, well, Emily, whatever. I go, I'll go meet people, but I'm not, ta- I'm not quitting. So I went to meet an agent. I went skateboarding. She gave me six names, went to meetings, big New York agents. First one was Art and Commerce. And I went in and I said, hey, I'm Jim. I'm here for a meeting. And they're like, so how are you? And they looked at my pictures on my J. Cruz stuff started coming out. I had it all in my book. And they're like, wow, you're really talented and young. And we really love your work, your look and feel of your photos. But we do have a photographer with a similar style, but we would love you to keep in touch with us. And we'd like to revisit a meeting in six months. And we'd like to see what happens with you here in New York. And I go, fair enough. And she's like, here's our card and good luck and stay close. So I ended up leaving. I went to my next appointment, skateboarded to the next meeting. A woman named Bonnie Winston, it's called Winston West, the agency. And I went upstairs and walked in and she was sitting at her desk. And I go, hi, are you Bonnie? She's like, yeah. I go, I'm Jim Jordan. I have a meeting at 3.30 with you. She goes, oh, you're a photographer. And I go, no, I'm not. I'm a makeup artist. I do hair and makeup. She goes, oh, well, I thought you were a photographer and we represent photographers. And I'm like, ah, well, I do hair and makeup. And I've been taking pictures on the side and I just did a couple of shoots for J. Crew. And Emily, the owner, had asked me to come in and meet you. So I don't, for me to say I'm a photographer, it's weird. But yeah, I guess I, t- I take pictures. Because I still never saw myself as a photographer. And still, sometimes I don't still even see myself as a photographer. 
And so she looked at my pictures and she goes, oh, my God. She's looking through the prints, the black box of all the prints. And then I I had some tear sheets, Maggie J. Crew stuff in plastic like this, little shitty plastic, like covers of J. Crew catalogs and stuff were in there, in the box, just loose. And she was like, this is amazing. She goes, wow, this is beautiful. She goes, so she's looking at me. She's looking at me. She goes, hold on a minute. She's like, Renee, this is Bonnie Winston in New York. I need, do you have a minute? And she's, I'm about to sign a photographer that I am so sure you're going to love. I will never, ever share another portfolio with you. That's how sure I am. You're going to love this guy. Bonnie, she's like talking. She goes, no, no, no. I'll have his portfolio FedEx to you tomorrow at 10 in the morning in Chicago. Okay. Love you. Bye. She hangs up and she goes, did you hear me? And I looked at her and I'm like, what's FedEx? I looked at Bonnie, the woman. I go, what's FedEx? She goes, FedEx is a courier service that's going to take this book, this box to Chicago tomorrow morning. And I go, no, no, no. I go, no, I can't. You can't take this. I go, I've been collecting this for like 10, 15 years, these photos. And if they got lost, it's like my life. It's like my journal, my documentary of my life. And all the people, this is, if it got lost, like that would be it. And she goes, no, 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 no. FedEx is very professional. It'll leave Grand Central Station today at, tonight at 5.30. It'll be in Chicago at 10. It's going to Leo Burnett, the biggest advertising agency in the world. That was Renee, the art buyer. And I'm like, I, I'm leaving New York tomorrow. I won't even be here. She goes, well, I need to send that. I just promised this to her. And I probably will take insurance out. I go, well, insurance isn't going to get me back all those movie stars I took pictures of. And I, I worked so hard. And I was just trying to get her not to do it. The voices in my head were like, don't let her do it. Don't take it. You're going to lose it. The worst case scenario. So she basically, I let her take it. I flew back to LA. She sent me the book back two to three days later. She called me. She goes, JJ, are you sitting down? And I go, what happened? They lost my book. She goes, no, they booked you on a 14-day job for Bloomingdale's at $7,500 a day. And I'm like, I can't do it. She goes, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't do it. And I go, Bonnie, I don't know what I'm doing. Just listen, you get your ass back to New York. You put that camera up to your eye. You look through that little glass glass window. And if you see something pretty, you put your finger on the trigger. I will have the owner of the lab in New York, the best lab in New York, by your side the whole time. I will have two of the best photo assistants in New York. I will have the locations, the motorhome, the caterer, and everything you need on your side. All you have to do is look at, find something pretty and pull the trigger. That was my start in New York as a photographer. A week later, she was taking me to pay editors. You know, I was, then I did the Bloomingdale's job and I had the best assistants and I learned so much. And I became a photographer in New York. 
And I ended up getting on a train, her train, and she was just running, pitching me to clients that she had. And in the fifth day of Bloomingdale's, she took me to dinner with the editor of American Vogue named Ivan Shaw. And he was the photo guy who hired Annie Lieberwitz and Herb Ritz and every huge photographer for every issue of Vogue. And she took me to a dinner with Ivan. I had no idea who he was. She goes, oh, we're going to meet my friend Ivan for dinner from Vogue. So I come off the shoot that night. I go to a dinner with Ivan. He's this little cute guy. He's the nicest guy. And we got along so good and just started sharing stories about our life. And Ivan was like, I really like you, Jay. I want to give you a job. So Ivan started giving me jobs for American Vogue right there, my first week into photography in New York. And my career at that time just started taking off. I started working for Eddie Bauer and Land's End and Brooks Brothers and Macy's and Lord and & Taylor and Blooming. Like, it just went on and on and on. And I was like, whoa. Bonnie was like... I represent Francesco Scavulu and you are the easiest photographer I've ever met. Like you just seal the deal. Like when people meet you, they just like, like you and just how you are on set. Like you're funny and fun and your communication is really good. And clients just really like how you see the details. So that was in a long winded story, how I became a photographer. Mind blowing story. I loved listening to it. And there were many parts that I was very surprised by, especially your beginnings. I'm sorry that you had to go through that with the beginning. It was tragic um, situations and the bullying, but it's amazing that you ended up in a completely different country. And then from that, you built a career, but it took a very long time and you had to make a lot of transitions. I think that is astounding. And it shows that you don't need to have a very clear path in life. Sometimes things go off path and you go through a lot of difficult situations, but you end up exactly where you're meant to be. And you are now exactly where you're meant to be. It's been a, it's been a really awesome journey, you know? Very impressive. But I encourage a lot of guys like not to look around to see how everyone else is doing it because like we all do have our own plan, God's plan for your journey and your career. And so I want to tell people and encourage photographers that it's not about how technical you are. It's about what you see. And it's about to how to push that button at the right time. And don't worry, get lost in the technical of being a photographer because it kind of steals your vision away. So you want to be creative and visually creative. And it's important to know how to expose and set the camera right. But some people are either so right-brained or left-brained. You know, I don't know which one is technical, which is creative. But it's really, really important to just not get so caught up in the technical and more in be in the moment with everything. And be in the moment with, like, communication and telling, letting your talent that you're working with see your vision. Let them see what you see. Because if they you can't see it, they can't be it. So you want to really be able to express what you're going, setting out to go capture. So when I'm shooting and I'm taking your photo, I know I can look at you right now and tell you exactly how I want to photograph you. I see how your hair needle is going to look the best. I see how your makeup should be. I see exactly in my head before I'm going to tell you how. So right now, because how I'm going to start telling you is I'm going to start now jockeying for position to get you in the position 
And I'm going to start talking to you about how that needs to feel, how I see you. And so then we start getting connected together and I start, you start trusting me. And so your guard comes down, like, what's he going to do? Who is, I don't feel comfortable in front of the camera. And then it's by me being this way is going to get you to just start trusting because of my, because I know exactly what I want. I'm not pussing around about how I want you. So that's really important to me. And a lot of photographers I see aren't confident in their approach to the way they take pictures. And there's a lot of times where models, it's like giving them, like I shoot a lot of movie stars. Movie stars hate being in front of a still camera because they're normally have a script and they're normally playing someone else. So when it's them, they don't want, this is me. I need a character. So when I started shooting movie stars, they were like, it's so awkward. Just a lot of photographers just put us out there on a on a backdrop and they're like, okay, do your get out of here. Like I'm so you give them a character, you know what I'm saying? So that's why giving people visuals or saying, you know, you're James Bond in this photo, be a character. Give me, you got to give them the cues of what you want them to look like. So it's really important to really direct the shoot. The best fashion photographers, the best photographers in the world that have to do with people are there. A lot of them are control, control freaks. The best directors are control freaks. The best fashion photographers are in control of everything. If the hair and makeup is bad for the Vogue cover, it's not the hairdresser's fault. It's the photographer's fault that the photographer didn't see that the hair was bad to go have the hair makeup people fix it. If the clothes look terrible and they're not clipped or pinned right, that is not the stylist's fault. It's the hair. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. the photographer is going to get fired because he didn't catch that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that photographers don't understand you're just not in charge of what the exposure looks like. You're in charge of all of it. You're in charge of how the model's moving, how natural she feels, how the wind machine's blowing the hair. You're in charge of the lip liner, if it's too matte or crooked. You're in charge of the hole in the hair that looks terrible. You're in charge of all of it. It's like, and that's why I come from a place learning hair and makeup and coming from behind the scenes into the forefront to become the photographer that I learned all those tricks. I learned all those mistakes that those photographers were working. I go to these jobs and the photographer wasn't there anymore. I go, what happened to what's his name? Oh no, there were too many mistakes, too many things in the styling. He didn't see it. That's why being a photographer in fashion, it's about how detailed and askew your eye is. It's about seeing the little details, how the hand of the woman is positioned. So it's not like big claw hands where it's the littlest thing, how the neck, and you could see the tension in the shoulders of somebody and say, relax your shoulders, chin down, lean forward, smize in your eyes more. Don't just stare at the camera like it's a wall. Like feel something, tell me a story. And it's by our communication and talking and me evoking emotion out of you when I'm taking your picture. And I'm just like going for it because I see the beauty in it. I see what I want to get. It's like I'm digging, there's gold under the ground, and it's you. And I'm digging and excavating and taking pictures. Ba, 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 turn this way. And I'm looking for the gold. 
And that's how I work. And people are like, dude, your energy is crazy. And that's how I work. Sometimes I do things just to shock people, just to get an emotion out of them, to in a loving kind way. But sometimes you just got to rattle people, shake them up, get them out of their like their timeline so they can be something else mm. and believe you that what you see they can be. A lot of girls, there's a lot of people in our business that are wrecked. It's a lot of beautiful women that are accept so many things in their mind and those voices that we all have in our heads, especially people in front of the camera. And when those voices start talking to beautiful girls or women or movie stars or models on set, you can see what's going on. My job, your job, our job as photographers is to be able to give them and to put them in an environment where they don't hear those voices. They hear yours. That's a great answer and such an amazing technique. And you were talking earlier about shooting for J. Crew and how you were shooting separately from the main photographer, and the main photographer was looking at you shooting and was very impressed because yeah. you had such a great energy. And and the main photographer was there getting paid the money. She was there for the money. She was there with the boss. I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about any of it. I was just shooting free, like, oh my God, now's my chance. I wasn't really worrying about the 250 and image. I was just like, I get to shoot pictures and be free in a beautiful place. And I have all these beautiful models and the racks and racks of clothes and a motorhome. And we're having fun. And we're, I'm in my bathing suit. We're running around in the sun, going to dinners. They're just like having a moment, creating a, a moment in time that I'll never forget. And having a camera in my hand and doing what I love to get people to be themselves and take the layers of everything off of them, then not their necessarily their clothes, but the layers of the voices that keep us bound and keep us the same and keep us locked up and frozen in time and keep us from our destiny and our call of our life. Absolutely. That's what I've learned more than anything. And on my spiritual journey is mostly this stuff and how apparent I was and the voices in my head. And still, they don't go away. They're still there. And it's about me walking through it and having vision for my future and really walking in the experience that my future is here now and I'm walking in the joy of it. And every time I live my life that way, I experience my future by seeing it before it comes. Just like when I photograph you, I know how I'm going to shoot you. I know exactly how I'm going to do your hair. I know exactly how I want you to smile at me. I see it. It's amazing. That's fantastic. And I think it's very uplifting to know that somebody as experienced as you still experiences those negative thoughts. Not that it's not that I'm happy that you are experiencing them. It's just very encouraging because I've come across many people and photographers, especially including myself, who always feel like something is in the way. There's a block. You have your destiny, as you said. You have yeah. this passion that you really want to pursue, but then you also have something that's in the way, self-doubt, worries, and it's always there. It never goes away. You just have to plow through, basically, plow ahead and ignore I, those fears. I always say my best advice to people is I say that we need to run through the fire and the fear of our life. We have to run toward it. I'd always say to myself, I want to run toward the things I'm most afraid of in my life. 
Because on the other side of that fear, once you run to it, you're going to run through it. There's miracles right there. And it's those voices and that fear that wants to keep you away. Because on the other side's the miracle in every area. So like I'm writing a documentary on my life story, a book. And it's about the fear. It's a lot about fear. And it's all about running through the fire in our lives, the things we're afraid of. And it's so powerful. And it's beautiful. So I highly recommend kids to not look around and get in, caught up in the fear or the struggle of the technical. Oh, I don't have the right cameras. And I don't have the right power packs. And I don't have the right strobes. And I don't have the right locations. Or I don't have the right models. And I don't have the right connections. Oh, and I live in Minnesota. And everything's in LA. Oh, I live in or you're too far away. The voices are going to tell you every excuse of why. But I'm telling you, it's all now. It's all here. It's all, You have everything you need. I had a little teeny camera. It's a little Nikon with a winder, a hand winder. It's teeny, little, no motor drive, nothing. And I'd have to load one roll of film, and I'd shoot 36 frames. When digital era came in and digital photography, I became a better photographer. I didn't have to use my assistants hardly anymore. I could shoot thousands of images a day, opposed to buying all the film, which used to cost me so much money. I'd shoot a bunch of rolls of film. I'd have to get in my car, drive all the way to Hollywood an hour and an hour back just to drop off the film. Then two days later, I have to drive another hour to Hollywood, go to the lab, judge the film, clip each roll, and say, push that roll a half a stop more. Push that roll a stop. Keep that roll. And I'd have to go through every roll of film for a client. That's how it used to be. And I'd have 200, 300 rolls of film on a day, one day shoot. I'd have to clip every roll of film expose the first three frames go to the lab and then go through each clip with a loop keep this normal push this a half a stop push this roll a quarter stop like it was so much harder it's so much more expensive so much harder so much gas so much time and now with digital air there's no excuses for anybody no technical there's nothing i became a better photographer i be saved so much money I, I get everyone's like, oh, we want to shoot film. It's so cool. That's great. Get a good client that'll pay for all the budgets to do that. Or use a filter on your camera. Use a filter on Photoshop that'll give you a film look, like Kodachrome 64 or whatever it is. There's so many apps and things you can use now. And that's how I think about it. People can argue with me all day long. I don't really care. I don't want to get caught up in all the minutiae of being stuck in a ditch, worrying about something. I want to move on to my next subject and keep shooting and having fun and having new experiences. That's how I feel about it. As far as my camera gear, I keep it simple. I have different camera companies that work with me. I work with Canon. I work with Leica. I work with different companies that I love, like Wacom tablets. I love. That's what I retouch with. And I use the, the Wacom tablet and I use the pen. I tell people every day, if you're retouching with the mouse, you need to learn how to get comfortable using a pen. It'll speed up your time. Just everything will be better. Your retouching will be better. Everything. And I was a makeup artist, so I did makeup. And it's using the pen. I can just beautify things so easy. 
And I know what I can retouch and what I can't. So there's things on shoots, which I know I can fix in Photoshop that I don't worry about going and doing, getting so particular on the shoot, like especially with liquify and the clothes that I shoot. So the Wacom tablet and Wacom is amazing. You know, how I get my clients. I left all my agents in New York when I became a photographer. I realized my agents were, you know, making more money than me on a shoot. I'd go to shoot 10-day job and I'd find out my agent took 20%, 25% of my earnings. But then they were producing all my jobs. And they were doing the motorhomes and the caterers and the location permits and all that. And they were marking up all those feeds. She'd tell me my motorhome was $500, but she'd be billing $1,500 for the motorhome. And then she'd be picking 1000 bucks just off the motorhome. So I realized I'm done with this. I, you know, And then I'm strapping um, the boots on the ground trying to do all these jobs with these minimum budgets and realizing the agents are the one, the middleman's taking all the money from your shoot that you could be using to make your photos bigger. So I just learned a lot. I ended up leaving my agency. I ended up helping my own company, White Cross Productions. And I started, hired my own in-house team to start doing all my jobs. I find my clients through a company called Agency Access. It's a, it's a service that goes and finds all the art directors, all the art buyers, all the photo editors of all the magazines, all of the advertising agencies. And you purchase this list. They can customize these lists for you, and then they send you these lists. And then you send out your newsletters to them. You send out your email promo pieces to them. It's the best company there is. I've worked with them for many years, and they also have another company called Found. And Found is a as like a resource book. It's an online service for clients. So clients are looking for photographers. They go to the Found website, and they can look up lifestyle photography, fashion, advertising are journalistic and then you it's a service you pay them to do it's an amazing owner and he's got an amazing vision and i really i've been you know hiring different resources and workbook and LeBook and all these people in the past i've worked with all of these but the resource i'm using now is agency access and found found is an amazing product and also, I use a database to keep all of my emails and everything organized. It's called Daylight, Market by Market Circle. Market Circle is the company, and Daylight is the program I use. And it's amazing. Like built, I used to spend like $20,000 to custom build websites where for my photography business. Like, where are all my portfolios? Who has got all the FedExes? Who's sending? Like, I'd have 10, 15 portfolios out a day. 10 books would come back, 10 would go out to clients. And that was FedEx. That was thousands of dollars a month just to FedEx my books out to get jobs. Now everything's simple. Everything's through emails. And it's so much cheaper to be a photographer. That when how I got into the business, like I'm telling you, we have it easy, photographers. We have it easy. And there are no excuses, really. And who else, Jan? So my database is Daylight by Market Circle. Capture One is how I download all of my photos, all of my flashcards into my card reader. I put it into Capture One and I do all of my 
all my catalogs are made into Capture One, and I label everything by the date, the name of the shoot, the location of the shoot, and I by me, shot by me, and I put as many details in the label, and it's amazing. I color correct through Capture One. I crop, so I crop and I color correct in Capture One, and then I move things into Photoshop. And I use Photoshop, obviously, for all my retouching. I use my editing stuff. I use Final Cut Pro and Premiere Pro. And I do some things on my iPhone, little fun little videos, too. I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is Jim Jordan Photography, if anyone wants to see it. I own a talent management company also, where I discovered some of the biggest models in the world. And I opened a management company because I felt like it fit like a glove with me, who I am, is helping models and discovering talent. I went back to my roots once I became successful at photography and at a very big company. And then I opened a management company and I wanted to go back to my roots to helping kids and discovering talent. And I discovered uh, the supermodel Taylor Hill, the biggest model in the world when she was 14. And I moved her and her mom in my house and taught her everything about the business and mentored her and coached her. And then I discovered Gigi Hadid and I worked very closely with her mom, Yolanda. And I placed Gigi with her agents in New York at IMG and made all of her meetings to go meet all of her agents in New York before they decided to go to IMG. So I was instrumental with Gigi's career. I was on a TV show called Making a Supermodel with Yolanda Hadid on Lifetime TV that Yolanda asked me to be a guest on her show for. And I'm just doing a lot of different things, you know. I have another company called uh, White Cross Entertainment. I have a company called White Cross Worldwide. And that is my new metaverse venture, my Web3 company that I've created. And I'm doing a lot of merging and fostering entertainment supermodels and actors and television shows into the metaverse into web three blockchain. So I'm very excited about what's around the corner with all of us in the blockchain world metaverse. I'm doing some really big plays with a lot of NBA players. I've one of the biggest NBA families in the world that I just did a 50 50 contract with and you know, another producer created the Kardashians, Bling Empire, nine of the other biggest shows on Netflix and Hulu. And I just did another contract with them to do bring them into the metaverse into Web3. And I'm on a very, really hot trajectory to really change the game with a lot of companies and people. And so I'm an entrepreneur and I love just to take picture, taking pictures and having those dances with people in front of my camera, the best. It's such a blessing to wake up and have a job as a photographer, really. So anyone listening, I encourage you, we have the best job ever. And to really manage, just really love it and dance your way through it and have fun. Don't take yourself too serious and just really like dance the dance. Like I look at people... You know, when we take pictures of people, it's like dancing, like a love dance with somebody. And it's so you have bonds with people you will never, ever make in the real world. Like looking through people and communicating with people. Like I've met the best friends of my whole life by meeting them on photo shoots and just sharing those moments with each other. 
and capturing the moments, even with your team and your makeup artist and your hairdresser and your stylist and your assistants and just your motorhome drivers and just everyone that's there, just creating those sacred modes. It's like inviting the perfect people to Thanksgiving dinner or to Christmas dinner. Like who do we, what exclusive people do we bring to the party that you know? Oh, you bring one bad apple, it's going to spoil the whole bunch. So part of being a photographer is knowing what kind of crew to bring. So if a client that's from Chicago is hiring you and you're going to bring some weird people and the client doesn't like them, they're never going to book with you again. So you as choosing your team and your crew is just as important to like get your client to want to have fun too. It's not just about the model on set that you need to have a good time and great pictures. It's about taking care of the woman that's paying you the thousands of dollars a day to keep to why she's hiring you. So I really think it's important to um, capture the moment with the people on the set. Yeah, that's great. I think it's uh, really helpful to be I, on terms with everyone. Exactly. I also use a company called Pick Time, right? Yeah. I use a company called Pick Time. I'm doing an exhibition and a gallery and a book. And I'm using a company where if clients want to put things in frames, I use this company called Pick Time. You guys should really look at it. If you want to do gallery prints and framing, it's what, it's what I use. I've been using them for years. They print right. photos and books and frames, and they have a huge selection. And Pick Time is another company that I, yeah, anyone else I should mention. But is there anything that you personally so, would like Yeah, to so the things of, you know, what photographers should know about retouching there's a million ways to skin a cat. And the way I retouch is very simple. I have four layers. I do my original layer, and then I do a, a copy layer, which I retouch on the copy layer. And then I do a retouch layer for all the skin, wrinkles, skin tone, blemishes, all that. And then I do a burn and dodge layer. I make another layer for burn and dodge where I lighten eyes, lighten teeth, or if I lighten shadows in the clothes, or burn shadows, that's on the dodge and burn layer. And then I use a liquefy layer. I use liquefy a lot. So I'm liquid reshaping faces, reshaping hair, and I'm doing that. And I use I pretty basic and retouching. I don't do a lot of frilly stuff. I just want to keep people looking natural. I don't blur skin. I don't do any of that. I try to keep the pixels, the pixels and the Keep everything, the texture of the skin, like the real skin. I remove dark circles and blemishes. I lighten eyes, lighten teeth. I use liquify to make the lip, reshape the lip line sometimes. I use liquify to redefine the jawline sometimes. I liquify to squeeze in the bodies, obviously, however you want your talent to look. But it's really amazing tool for shaping clothes and fixing things. And that's it. So my retouching is pretty simple pretty minimal. What I consider my biggest strength as a photographer is my communication and the way I express myself and the way I can get people to do, trust me when I'm asking them to do things and to look a certain way. When mm -hmm. I want somebody to emote an emotion or a vibe and it's, it's so not like jump in the air and be like, throw your purse and be like, and they are nothing like that. I'm the one doing it. I'm the one showing them the vibe. I'm the one in the dirt and doing the pose. And I'm the one showing them everything. 
So they're laughing and it's funny and I get in and do it, like throw it. And then they're seeing what I'm doing to be like, oh, I get it. Okay. So I'm always laughing at myself and making jokes about it. Oh, and then branding, building your brand as a photographer is one of the most important things as well. If a client like American Express or um, Gucci or Bauman or Dolce Cabana is hiring you, to build their brand, they want to know you as a photographer have your own brand. So it's important for you to have your logo and your identity and your brand on your website or your mailers or your newsletters. So every time they see your your name, your branding, your color palette, forget the pictures, they just see your branding. They're like, oh, that's Stephen Klein. Oh, that's Jim Jordan. Or that is you know what I'm Pete? That's whoever, whoever it is, Bruce Weber. Mm-hmm. So your branding is very important. Your color palette, your font style, your branding, that it lives on your website, your Instagram, your Twitter, your, you know, it's not to talk about social media. That's a whole nother conversation and how important that is. And to be posting on eight platforms a day, to be posting on your, your story and your, your reels and your all of it to, on your LinkedIn and on your Twitter and all of those things are very important. Your TikToks and getting your name out, getting your pictures out, just getting and using the right hashtags to build your S search engine optimization, to be able to get on Google and get your name rising to the top, basically how you found me. Exactly. Yeah, that's super important. Yeah, building a brand and that's something yeah. you clearly have because I found you so quickly and very easily on Google. Yeah. Yeah. So building our brands, making promos, getting your photos in front of clients, using agency access is a huge access to get to photographers. I highly recommend it. A lot of photographers have beautiful pictures. They're like, oh, well, how do I get jobs? That's the big, that's the big question. That's the elephant in the room. There are millions of photographers all pitching that same client. And, you know, another thing to encourage new photographers, I want to tell you, you know, when I was a new photographer, a lot of a lot of clients want new photographers. They want new blood. They want new energy. So don't feel like if you don't have 10 Vogue covers or a whole portfolio of great supermodels that you can't get jobs. The more you shoot and test, you could just shoot new girls off the street, make them look beautiful. A lot of clients would respect that and go, wow, we like you. You're raw talent. If you can do this with real people, real mod, real girls, what are you going to do with a supermodel? This is crazy. So I always encourage people, don't let, you know, because you don't have the whole 50 boat covers or whole portfolio of magazine work to stop you. Those are the voices in your head. So let you know people want new actresses. They want new models. People are looking for new photographers. So really be encouraged to know, put yourself out there. You don't know who's going to grab you. You don't know who's going to see you. I've gotten the most random jobs by the most obscure ways. So it's very encouraging. Very, very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to jump in the pool and swim. Just jump, get in, get in the pool. Don't sit on the side. I sat on the sidelines for 15 years. I knew I could take great pictures of people, make people feel great. I knew I was a better photographer than most of the photographers I work with. 
I was like, why? That's why my friends standing next to me on set were like, why don't you shoot? You're a baby. Why are you so afraid? One of my best friends called me out one day. It's like, why are you such a baby? You're the best photographer. Why are you going to let everyone else become photographers? And you're going to sit back and be a makeup artist your whole life till you're 80? And I was like, I got so mad at him. And that's one of the reasons that my friend calling me out, pushing me. I'll go, I'll show you. I'll show you. Now I have a beautiful location, a beautiful home. And I have a studio here and production company and starting a cosmetic company and a clothing company. And I have a metaverse company and a Web3 company and doing a lot of things. I have three magazines. Well, my magazine's called Major Magazine USA. You should check that out. My other magazine is called James Magazine USA. I have another magazine called White Cross Magazine. I'm creating, and that's what I'm doing, and I keep moving, and I keep creating, and I don't know what's next, but I'm living in the awe of it's all possible and that we live in a place where we can create. And with the internet and social media, all things are possible. And so I say, take a deep breath and walk forward and walk through the fire in your life. Walk through the things that scare you. And sometimes if we look around and compare ourselves, isn't the best way to do it. Go with your instinct and your gut and just move forward, plow forward, and give thanks for everything we got, even if it's not a lot. Give thanks that we wake up in the morning and today is the best day ever. That's how we have to look at things. That's incredibly beautiful. And your experiences, those tragic stories that eventually shaped you into the person that you are now, now you know that you don't need to listen to those negative thoughts in your head. Exactly. And now you're making the most of everything. You're making your dreams come true. And it's incredible. Yeah, and, and a lot of people I'm able to help because of it, you know, just by encouraging people. It's the best. Like when we give away our love, it comes back. When we help people, it comes back. Absolutely. So I encourage you too and keep up your great work and your podcast. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You are absolutely inspiring. I was very touched when I was listening to your story, very surprised during many parts of your story. And I'm honestly very encouraged to you know, get into portrait photography even more now. Even where I live locally, there are so many beautiful models. I just want to start oh just listening to your story. I was like, wow, this is just so amazing. Yeah, so scout some of the models for me over there. Oh, for sure. I know a few people. Got me really some beautiful people. guys and beautiful girls. Find me guys that are six feet tall and girls that are over five eight, and no okay. taller than six one. Okay, sure. Yeah, we can work together. There's so many great, good looking people here. Yeah, I know there is. So please stay close. Absolutely. So much for your time. I loved having you on the podcast. You shared such a unique story, and I'm sure that it inspired listeners very much. And I really look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. I really loved speaking with Jim Jordan about his work and just listening to his story was so amazing and so touching. I hope that you had a similar experience listening to him and I highly encourage you to check out his work and to look at his amazing portfolio. He's definitely worked very hard for it. If you want to ask Jim some questions or if you just want to join in the conversation and to let us know what you think of our episodes, make sure to do so. There's a link to it in the description. Join our online photography community and meet all kinds of passionate photographers from across the world. We really look forward to seeing you there. See you next week.
Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every subforum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day, which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.